Father, if there's anyone that does not know you uh, as their personal Savior watching online or whether in this place, Father, we pray that today that their eyes would be open, ears would be open, Father God, and that they would become a child of the King, Father. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says amen. Just a reminder, we got some more prayer cloths up here, so as work start worshiping, you're more than welcome to come up in the altar, grab one of these, come up in the altar and worship this morning. Amen.
sing a little louder. Oh, 
Hallelujah. Some of you are facing something today that you need to raise your praise higher than your unbelief today. Thank you. 
he's always been. He's reaching out to make me whole. He's reaching out 
to make me whole For the one who put death in its place His life is flowing Oh 
He's the God of the impossible. Thank you that you stay firm and true to who you are. Thank you that you do not waver, God, as we are as humans. And we change our mind and we waver. But God, thank you that you are constant. Thank you, God, that when you make a promise, you don't fall back on who you are. God, I've had to rely on you for so many promises and so many spoken words. And God, you've never failed me. He's not going to fail you today. Church, he's not going to fail you. Doesn't matter how long ago he promised it. He's not going to fail you. He is not a man that he should love. He is constant. He is steady. He's never changing. He's going to fall through with exactly what he said. Jesus. Jesus. To see things like you do, God, I look to you, cause you're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom, oh, you know just what to do.
such an awesome God. We ask you to have your way in this place today, Father God. Father, as we get ready to study your word and look into your word, Father, we know you're a God of the impossible, that you can do more than we can ask or imagine, Father. So we just pray right now that your will be done, Father God. We ask that your will be done because we may even limit you in some of our prayers, Father God. So we ask as Jesus gave as an example that we would uh, your will be done in our lives, Father. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen. Let's put our hands together and worship. Amen. 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 You can be seated as they get the lights on. And thank you, musicians. And uh, glad to see everyone here. Uh, go ahead. We want to go ahead and dismiss our kids, three, four, and five, that are still in here to their classroom. <coughs> Oh, that, that makes
me a sip of water before I get started. So if you got a water, go ahead and take your sip. Get going. <laughs> Amen. Uh. Amen. We're not going to let a little cold stop us from uh, sharing the word of God this morning. Amen. Amen. This is a. I, although it's called uh, impossible is where God starts. It's actually a continuation from last week. So those of you that, because last week I kind of gave you a hint where we were going today. Uh, so uh, it, it's not a breakaway. It's, instead of just uh, entitling it Fresh Start Part 2, I just entitled it Impossible is where God starts. Amen. Amen. How many of you know that that's where you have to truly have faith is when you're facing something impossible? When it seems that there is no way, God says, well, don't worry, I'll make a way. Amen. Amen. So if you would, you could open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to do a few verses in there that's not in your notes. I'm going to review just a couple of things here in your notes. <coughs> Amen. Don't worry, I don't have coronavirus, anything like that. It's a sinus thing that's drip, dripping down. So, uh, but I still don't want to give anybody any. <laughs> Any, any coal or anything, so, amen. But last week we started with the, uh, me this message, and last week it was entitled Fresh Start, because God's mercies are new every day, and God, you know, uh, we, we talked about the fall of man last week, and that God wasn't, ha God wasn't happy with that situation, and God wanted to give man a fresh start in all these things, and we, we began with giving you the definition of prosper or prosperity. And, you know, there's such a negative term to when people say, oh, that's just a, uh, you know, this minister or so is, is a, a prosperity preacher. And in some sense, I understand where they're talking about when they're talking about just financially, you know. Uh, but reality, the gospel is prosperity. The gospel is, uh, you know, where from where you start and you receive salvation, your life just got better. You hear me? Well, we, from the state you in a lost, dead, dead state, uh, a child of darkness, to stepping into eternity with the Father in heaven and being a child of light. How many of you know that is prosperity? That is a change in your life. So God, the gospel really is a very uh, prosperous uh, prosperity thing. Pro the word prosper or prosperity means to flourish or to make steady progress or the, con the condition of being successful or thriving. The condition of being successful or thriving. How many of you know that once you become born again, you become a child of the king? Right? How many of you know that's a plus? Right? <laughs> and I, I used a couple of scriptures that we're just going to put up on here uh, to get us going. Uh, let me just begin in prayer right now. If I don't, if I don't uh, make sense at some time during here, just look at your name and say it's probably the medication. <laughs> I, thought, I think I got. I woke up this morning. I had to shoot up some afrin in my nose and uh, Tylenol, cold and flu, and some ibuprofen. So uh, uh, that, that's where I'm at right now. Amen. But God, we're not going to let the devil stop what God wants us to do. Amen. And you know, simple things like that. Somebody can say, "Oh, well, why God didn't heal you?" I don't know. But you know what? It, why, why I'm not healed for this morning? I've been praying Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's getting a little more sicker. And I uh, pr was praying, God, I need to be able to share your word this weekend. I don't know why he didn't heal me, but I'm not mad at him. He could keep me sick all he wants. 
I'm just going to do what he called me to do no matter what the situation is. I'm not going to get offended that he didn't heal me, you know, those things. I can't, do I believe he still can heal me? I think before the end of the service, he can touch me and I'll be completely healed. If he does or does not, it's not going to change how much I love him and worship him. My, my relationship is not on what he does for, based on what he can do for me, you know, in, in those situations. So, <clears throat> but I want you to know that God is good and God, uh, we have Christ. It's not only for eternal things. And uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 19, this is from last week. It'll be up on the screen. I want to thank Nathaniel too. He's filling in for Darren, doing both sides there. So let's give Nathaniel a good hand clap. <laughs> Amen. Uh, it says this, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are people most, to be most pitied. But not, uh, last week I, I began talking about that. It, it doesn't say that we don't have hope in Christ for this world. He says if only our hope was for in this world, we are to be most pitied. In other words, he says it goes beyond, what we receive is beyond this world, it's eternal. But we do have hope in Christ in this world. And that's what I uh, had mentioned last week. You know, how many of you believe that the Bible says we are, ought to pray? Right? Two people believe that the Bible says we ought to pray. <laughs> we really need some prayer revival. <coughs> but the Bible always tells us that we should pray. And what does prayer do? It's prayer about, okay, salvation prayer is about eternity, but everything else we pray for in this world, and Jesus' model prayer said, God, uh, give us our daily bread, it was for this world. So our prayer life is basically for things, our hope in Christ in this world, that he will provide and meet our needs in this world. Uh, so we need to understand that it's not only for eternity, the biggest part is for eternity. You know, that's why Jesus had made that statement, what good is it to get for a man to gain the whole world yet use, lose his soul? In other words, he didn't say that having things in this world is bad. He just says it doesn't compare to what is up there. In other words, you could get everything in this world, but he says, I still got something better for you. Amen? <coughs> so then we, we looked at this, uh, John 10, 10. Uh, it'll be up on the screen. Still from last week, we're viewing uh, the thief comes only to do what? Three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, Satan, the enemy, your adversary. What is his thing? To add to your life or to take away from? To take away from, right? To restrict, to, to limit. He says to steal. When someone steals from you, do you have more or less? It's something you had and he's taking it away from you. To steal, kill, and destroy. How many like your life being destroyed and everything, everything? No. That is what the enemy does. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have what? Life. And not only life, but life to the full. So how many of you see there's a difference between serving him as living, having life and life to the full versus the other way where it, it's darkness, it, it's taking away from. Jesus says, I've come that you may have uh, abundance and have overflow. The enemy comes to keep you restricted in that area. So we do understand the gospel is prosperous to us. The gospel does not, leaves us in a much better state than uh, before. <coughs> and then, <coughs> ooh, there's a coughing contest today, I might win. Um, Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus goes into the temple and he begins reading 
from the uh, scroll of Isaiah, and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim what kind of news? Good news. Anybody in here ever had bad news? Yeah? But, but how many of you know good news is much better than bad news? Right? So good news is, I would say, is a prospering thing where bad news is a negative thing. Jesus says, I've come to, uh, to proclaim good news to you. He says, he has sent me to pro proclaim freedom to the prisoners. So how many of you know that if you're in prison to something, being set free is prospering from where you're at, from being a prisoner to being free? Right? So you see how the gospel is prosperity, changing your life in these things? And that's what I'm saying. There's a bad rap on it on, on just the monetary side, but the gospel itself is a very prosperous gospel. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recover sight uh, for the blind. How many of you know that if you're blind and you receive sight, you're in better shape than when you started? Right? And he's talking about physical blindness, but he's also talking about spiritual blindness. Okay? So you, you become born again. He says to set the oppressed free. How many of you know if you're bound in, in bondage and oppressed, being free is a much better state than being oppressed? Are we making sense here? So are we beginning to see that the gospel truly is a prosperous gospel? It's to, to set the prisoners free, to set the oppressed free, to give sight to the blind. You're in a much better state once you know the gospel than before. <coughs> it's good news. It says to, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. How many know that favor is a good thing? When you are in the favor of the Lord, when the Lord's favor is upon you, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And then he says, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and everyone's eyes in the synagogue was <coughs> fastened upon him. He began saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He says, this is what I've came to do, come to do. This was my purpose to be born. All right? So how many of you know everything we read there is something that I'm better off since he came than before? So I am prospering in that way. So if you want to call me a prosperity preacher, go right ahead because I agree with you. I'm gonna, I want to lead you from death and destruction to eternal life. That's prosperous. Amen? <coughs> so we, we talked about several things last week. And uh, about the fall of man. And so, uh, second time, you just go ahead and get the CD from last week. Go online and listen to that, the first part of this message. Again, it was talking about the fall of man. And we talked about how God was getting ready to give man a fresh start. That God, when he pronounced judgment on man, it wasn't an eternal judgment that God said, well, now you're forever. You'll never be in my presence. God done something and said, you know what, I want to give you all a fresh start. Even from the very beginning of the, the Bible, and that's what we talked about, that in Genesis, the, the, uh, the gospel, God lays out the gospel through that Genesis. That, uh, you know, it's not just beginning in the New Testament. The pattern was laid down to follow throughout uh, Genesis, and that's what we talked about. So, uh, next verse, uh, what we kind of ended on last week, <coughs> or what I kind of told you about where we'd pick up this week, would be from Genesis chapter 3, 15. Uh, it'll be up there, and, and we'll talk about it a little later. 
God said this to Satan. He says, I will, because, you have, because you have done this, let me stop for a second just to remind you. You remember before he went, God went to Adam and Eve, both asked them, what is this you have done? And what I had told you he, God was doing was trying to get a confession out of them, right? Salvation is if you confess your sins, to admit that you sin. And, that, and again, that's where I kind of, we stayed on and started talking about that last week. So God, but when he went to Satan, he didn't ask, what is this you have done? He didn't try to get a confession out of him because there is no salvation for him. He's got eternal punishment separated from God. He's, God told him, because you have done this. But he told Adam, he told Eve, what is this you have done? Again, I said last week, that was God clueless of what they've done? No, God already knew. God already knows all your sin. Would you think you may be hiding in the darkness is in full view of God? God knows it all. You could fool me, you could fool Brother Allen, you could fool Brother Jerry, you could fool your spouse, but you're not going to fool God. God knows everything. God, God even, sometimes we even fool ourselves. We even think our hearts one way until reality comes, up, comes about. You know, that, that's why God lets us face giants. That's why God puts us in the fire, because he needs to show us that we still got some garbage inside of us that needs to come out. Because we could say all the right things and all the right phrases when everything's going good. But when the trouble comes, that's when reality, what's inside you, really comes up. Amen? <coughs> so, uh, we're reading, I would, God begins... Uh, sharing in Genesis 3.15 <coughs> about how he will make this come about, our salvation. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to Satan. He says, between you and the woman and between her, uh, your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And this is the beginning. I'm, I'm going to uh, talk about a little bit in a minute is God is already beginning to talk about Christ coming into the world and beating death on the cross. Now, uh, in reality, those words, and I mentioned last week where it says your offspring, and we'll see, actually means your seed and his seed. And in the garden, when he told them that your seed and his, her seed is very telling, but they didn't catch it. In other words, I'll wait till we get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. What I want to do is look in, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, <coughs> verse 37, as God's revealing the plan. And this is part of the plan here. Okay? Now, just to let you know, on your notes, the first note says uh, Luke 1, 37. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute, Nathaniel. Don't worry about that. It says, for no word from God will ever fail. And God, Gabriel was talking, God sent Gabriel to, to tell Mary uh, about that she was going to give birth to the Son of God, all right? And watch this. This is where it ties back to that seed in the beginning that I was talking about, that we'll mention in a, in a, in a minute. It says this, uh, verse 26 in Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's her cousin giving birth to John the Baptist, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a what? A virgin 
pledged to be married to a man named Joseph as a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Then we'll jump down to, I think it's verse 31. He says, you, the Gabriel's telling Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus, which means the salvation of man. He will be great and will be called what? Son of Joseph? Son of the Most High. Okay? Now, uh, watch how we're going to start uh, filling this out here. Uh, <coughs> verse 34, she says, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Then the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called what? The Son of God. The Son of God. Now, remember, however God done this, you know, he created Adam from the dust of the earth. So it's no problem for him to speak into her life and cause her to be pregnant without having laying with a man. You see, and this, the key, the part is, is so important that we're going to have to uh, focus on is, is she makes this statement. She makes this statement in verse 37. This is what we're going to pick up in your notes. <clears throat> for no word, uh, uh, Gabriel says, for no word from God will ever fail. All right? Now, how many of you know Jesus always made, uh, made the statement that it's when salvation is impossible with man? Why would he make that statement? It's impossible for man to be saved. It is impossible for man to save himself. Because it's clear through Scripture, it says that the law does not save a man. It just makes us aware of sin. Okay, so you could try and follow the law all you want to the T, but you're still a sinner. Okay, the law just makes you aware of sin. So, look, look I like what it says in the, the Amplified Version here of 137. It says, for, God, for with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. And this is what I want you to understand, that no word from God is powerless and ineffective. But I do want you to know that we can't just name and claim everything. Okay? For God, when God works in your life, it's in accordance to His will in your life. God is not your little genie that you rub the little bottle and hope he pops out and you could tell him what you want him to do in your life. But back to what I was saying earlier, I, I prayed for me to be healed today that I, I wouldn't be clogged up in the head or whatever you want to call it. But he didn't do it. I don't care. That, that's fine with me. For some, I don't know why he has it that way today. But it's fine with me. So it's not our will be done, but his will be done in our life. Right? Not our will, but His will be done in our life. So every word that comes from God, and it, it's, it has to line up that it's His will for your life. It's not about, well, well, I want it. No, you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works what God has prepared for you to do. And when you're in His will, walking His life, He'll make those things that He wants done in your life. The enemy ain't going to stop it. You hear me? 
God has a personal plan for your life, and the enemy's trying to stop that plan from being fulfilled in your life. And God's saying, if if you're following the plan I have for your life, there's no devil in hell that is going to be able to stand against me. For he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. We may not understand why we go through all those things. (coughs) So... Here's that, what I was just talking about in Matthew 19, 25, uh, 19, verse 25 through 26. Jesus uh, tells a young man who came up to him, a rich young man, and all these things. And he said, you know, go sell everything you have and come follow me. And the man was sad and all this. And then Jesus makes the comment, it's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle than it is. Uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to go to heaven. And his disciples made this comment. Uh, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said this, with man, this is impossible. Salvation is impossible with man. Because you have to understand that that scripture we talked about, about the seed where God was revealing that no man from, a, from Adam's seed could ever do anything because they're born with sin. You hear me? We are born into sin. And so we're sinful beings, so how can we be the spotless lamb, the sinless lamb to take, take the sin off the people? <laughs> That's why Jesus says, with man salvation is impossible. But my father's not going to leave it that way. He already started revealing to Adam and Eve in the garden what was going to take place. And he says, the re- that's why I am here. Because if, if it was possible with man, I wouldn't have to come here and die on the cross. But it's impossible with man. But I love how he throws it. How many of you like lanyard? A little bit extra. You know, you got, you got ball crawfish. How many of you like the sauce and potatoes? That little line yap with that, right? It's good, just the crawfish, but you, you add that other stuff. But I love how Jesus says, with man, salvation is impossible. But then he also says, with God, all things. He says, not only salvation, but everything else is possible with God. <coughs> so let's, let's get back to where we picked off, uh, stopped last week. Okay? <coughs> Genesis three twenty one through 24. And I don't know how much I had mentioned at the end of last week, but this is where we were last week. So it kind of joins in together again. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and his wife and clothed them. Now what they had done, they had taken fig leaves, put them around them after they had sinned. But God instituted right there in the garden the pattern that a life would have to be given for the forgiveness of sin. The wages of sin is death. Okay, so God takes, where did he get the skin? He sacrificed a couple of animals. And when you notice through the Old Testament, how did God deal with the nation of Israel? It was through animal sacrifices for the forgiveness of sin. Life has to be given for the sin. Okay? So he says, and the Lord God, uh, let's see what verse I'm on here. Uh, Verse 22, and God said, 
The man has now become like one of us, knowing the knowledge from good and evil. And how many of you know that in the garden, everything was good and pleasing to the eye? It wasn't just this knowledge of good and evil. Like there was one beautiful tree that stuck out and tempted them, and all the other trees were ugly. No, it's as God placed plenty, all, everything God had created there was great. But the only tree they couldn't touch was the knowledge of good and evil or they would die. They were allowed to touch the tree of life. It never, he never told them not to do that. The only thing they were told not to do was the knowledge of good and evil because that would make them accountable to sin. All right? And then so <coughs> they, they did this. They reached out and touched it. And then notice what God says. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat. And he says this, and live forever. Now what he was saying they're living forever he means in this fallen state that if they now in this fallen state grab of the tree of life they are condemned to stay in this state for the rest there is no salvation so what a lot of people think is god was punishing them by throwing them out the garden was the total opposite god was saving them and uh, waiting for jesus christ to come that he could save them that they wouldn't have to remain that way for eternity so salvation is starting in there. That, so God's saying, I need to get them out the garden before they mess up their life some more. And that they have to stay this way forever. We've got to protect them from eating from the tree of life. So the Lord God banished them from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which uh, he had uh, <coughs> been taken. And he drove the man out. He placed on the east side of the garden of Eden a cherubim and a flame, with a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life because he did not want them to stay in eternity in that fallen state. Right? A lot of times people say, oh, God's so mean. Oh, he, he, he wants to... No, God wants to redeem you. God wants to do everything he can, give you every chance that he even said, you know what? I'm not going to take a chance that they're going to sneak back in. I'm going to put an angel here with a big sword. That's going to deter him from coming in here because how many of you know that if we can mess something up, we usually do, right? <coughs> so let, let's go to the uh, back uh, <coughs> in the beginning. He says, Genesis 1.15, Genesis 3.15, I'm sorry. And God, when he's talking to Satan, which we were talking to a while ago, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, he, her offspring will crush your head and you will strike his heel. But notice how the uh, New King James Version says, uh, And I will put enmity between the uh, you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. In the NIV version, when you look back, it says offspring, but the original Greek word there was seed. That between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, how many of you know that a heel bruise is much different than a head wound? A head wound becomes the size of a death blow. The heel is, in other words, he was saying. My son's going to go to the cross, but when he rises from the dead, he has broke the power you have over death and life. But he says here, your seed and her seed. Now, I don't know if you listen to 
sex education when you went to school or, or that you had it when you went to school. But the woman has the what? The egg. The man has the seed. The seed comes from the man. Okay? When the egg and seed are together, it produces life. So God knew in the very beginning, in the garden, when he says her seed, well, she doesn't have seed. She only has the egg. That the seed would come from God, that God would produce the life in her, in her womb. Okay, whichever way he decided, however he done it, we don't understand. He just spoke it or whatever happened. But that God would be the father of her son. Because if it came from the line of Adam and Eve, that seed, it, it carried the sin with it. So it would not be a spotless lamb. The seed comes from the father. Adam, which was known as the, the, the first Adam, that thing, first child has, had fallen. So this, that's where it's very important that you understand that this is where he begins tell, he actually starts talking about a virgin birth. Because it's going to be her seed, not her and her husband's, but hers. <coughs> All right. We've got to get going here. Notice the Old Testament begins to, sh to share this with us. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. This is prophesying about Jesus coming. He says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And he will be called what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So remember when Gabriel was tell, talking to Mary, he would be called the son of God. See, it's never about the son of, Mo, of, of Joseph because she was still a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus. God, which is impossible. Yeah, but that's where God starts. He works with, that's why Jesus says, with man it's impossible. Because there was never an offspring except God's child that could be blameless and sinless because the sin comes through the seed of the fall. <laughs> okay, sin nature is handed down by the man. Look what it says in Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world, how? One man, through Adam. Sin entered the world through one man, and in this way, death came to all people, because all have sinned. So sin is from the seed of the father. So we needed a, again, whenever you, you think about the Old Testament, when it was animals to be sacrificed, what did they say? It would have to be a perfect without defect animal. to be. It wasn't go get, go get the, the run of the litter and we're going to sacrifice him. It said, no, get the best, the perfect without defect. And it was an example of that Christ was the son of God without sin. Right? Okay. That's good. <coughs> Romans 3.10 says this. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no human man righteous, not even one. So it was an impossibility for salvation to come through the bloodline of man. 
Because sin was passed through the bloodline of man, through the seed of man. So we understand that God caused Mary, a virgin, to give birth to his son, Jesus, and that he could be the sacrifice, the spotless lamb of God that could die and pay for the sins because he was sinless. He was the only one that was perfect. (coughs) Jesus came into the world without a human father. He was born without the taint of sin. The taint of sin means the contaminated part of sin. He was the only one. Jesus is the only one that came into the world without a father. And you may say, oh, well, these days, you know, there's artificial insemination. Well, guess what? They still needed a man to get the seed to fertilize the egg. Okay? And that seed, again, is still in the fallen state. So that <coughs> we understand that Jesus was the only one to be born besides Adam. Because God created Adam from the dust of the earth without a, a, a human father. Think about that. That's impossible. That's right. That's where God starts. That's why Jesus says, with man it's impossible. That God, that in other words, God my father had to step in to redeem man because it's impossible for man to do himself. There's no way he can. Man, without Jesus dying on the cross... Man is an eternal state of a, apart from God. Notice what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin, speaking of Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin, and that, uh, that translates better as a sin offering for us. So God made him who had no sin to be a sin offering for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And I always like to use the example of what happened on the cross was when Jesus went, the the sinless lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who went onto the cross, while he was on the cross, God took all my sin, all your sin, and placed it on the sinless one. So he could die for the forgiveness of our sins. But then God also took his righteousness and gave it to us. If that ain't a prosperous deal, I don't know what is. God made him who had no sin to be a sin offering for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Not by what we do, but what he done on that cross. Amen. <coughs> so John 1 and 2 says this. Again, we're talking about Jesus came into the world, the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word. I, I like how this, the first three words of this uh, verse is the first three words of the Bible. In the beginning. And then in the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word. This is basically saying the same thing. Notice this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, what? Was God. Now, this is hard for our little pea brains to wrap around. We, can, we, we understand it, but we don't fully understand that, right? I, I, I can admit that. It, 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 I understand it, but I don't fully understand it, that the Word, uh, <coughs> in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
it says, uh, verse 2 says, he was, God, he was with God in the beginning. All right, so then we're going to jump down to verse uh, 11. He came to uh, which was his own, his own creations, but uh, his own did not receive him. Now remember when God said, I will put enmity, a mutual hatred or dislike between you and his spring, offspring? A lot of that, what is some of his offspring is those that are, that are human beings that, do not, that aren't serving God yet. The Bible says that it, to, if you're not born again, you're an enemy of God. And that, that's why I was talking about that bloodline, that sin bloodline was passed down. through, And uh, he came to which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Right? And who did not receive him? Again, many people believed in him, but the, it was the religious ones who thought they were right by obeying the law and thought they were righteous in themselves. But Jesus says, I've come to testify, the reason I come is to testify about the truth, that you can't be saved that way, that you can't be saved by obeying the law. Does God want you to obey his law? Yes. But that doesn't earn you salvation because it's impossible for man to be saved without the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Then it goes on to say, yet to all who receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You didn't earn the right. He gave the right. All right, it says this, verse 13. Children born not of natural descent nor human decision are, are a husband's will, but born of God. And he's beginning to talk about being born again spiritually, where that, that conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, where Jesus says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, I don't understand what you're talking about. Can I enter my mother's womb a second time and be born again? And Jesus says, no, flesh gives birth to flesh, uh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. That you must be born again. And how, that's what he's talking about here. That you become the child of God because you believe that his son went and died on the cross for you. Verse 14 says, the word became flesh. Remember, we were just talking about it. in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. All right. So there's, he's talking about the birth of Jesus there. We have, found, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, Philippians 2.8 says this, And being found in the appearance as a man, the Son of God, being found, he looked like everybody else, he, this, he says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And Jesus tells his purpose here in John 8.37, you are, uh, he's standing before Pilate, and Pilate says, you are a king then. Jesus answers, you say that I am a king, but he says, in fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify or tell the truth. Everyone on this side of the truth listens to me. He came to tell them that you, it's impossible for man to be born again. It is impossible for man to save himself. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and then Hebrews two fourteen through 18 says this, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. That's why 
he, he this. So, you know, Jesus faced every temptation we did. We do. Everything the world has now, again, whatever, it's a different culture and different type things. But it, principal things of he faced everything we did, but yet he was the only one who never sinned. He was the sinless Lamb of God. And it says this. He too shared in their humanity, which means human. He said, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Remember when God told him, he will crush your head? That's what he was talking about. That when my son's risen, you, you're going to think you, you only strike in his heel. He's going to the cross. You're thinking you're giving him the dead, bro. You're thinking you're winning. But he says, I, I, he's going to be raised again from the dead, and he's going to crush your head and break the power of death and life that you have over human beings. He says, uh, verse 15, and he's going to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not the angels he helps but Abraham's descendants, human beings. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. The high priests in the Old Testament were the ones who, who uh, made the sacrifices uh, for God for the forgiveness of sins. And he says that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So you see, God revealed from Genesis his plan. I don't think Eve and Adam caught it. I don't think Satan caught it. But he said her seed, which would be through him, sinless into this world, would live and die for the forgiveness of us, for our sins, for Scott Jeremy's sins, past, present, and future, because we need his mercies every day. We need his graces every day, and Christ came full of, of grace and peace. Amen. So what I want you to understand is that we don't earn salvation. It is a gift from God. Salvation through man doing what he does God wants you to obey him and, and things, and there's still consequences to not obeying him. But what he really wants is you to accept his son as Lord and Savior. And that's why the Bible tells us that you were, you were bought with a price. Your life is no longer your own. So live worthy of the calling that God has placed on your life. So let's stand to our feet as we close here. If this is the first day those watching online or in here have a uh, heard the message of what, how God loves us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and you've never accepted him to be your Lord and Savior I want to give you that opportunity here today I want you right now just to lift up your hand I want every eye closed every head bowed no one looking around <coughs> is this is the first time that you've heard a message like this and you say you know what I need to be saved. I want you just to raise your hand up right now. Just put it up and uh, there you go. We see those hands right now. So I want everyone in this room just to repeat this prayer. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today 
because I know that I am a sinner and that there is no salvation except through your Son, Jesus Christ. I believe He died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe that He rose again and is seated at your right-hand side. I invite Him to come into my heart, into my life, and be Lord and Savior of my life today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Before you leave, let me just, let me just pray. A, I might not be feeling great, but I could still pray a blessing upon you right now. Father, I just pray right now. Father God, that you would touch each and every person in this building, Father God. Those who just accepted you as their personal Savior, I just pray that you give them strength to carry on, Father God, to begin the walk of serving you and living for you, to become your disciple, Father God. And all those others, Father God, I just pray for a healthy life, Father God, a prosperous week, Father God. Father God, show us those that need you, Father God, that we could be a light into this world. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. If you want a copy of this message, it's going to be in the back or it'll be online. Amen.